Hi there, church. Uh, Pastor Errol here, and we are in a series called Why Bother? And we started out last week talking about why bother go to church? Like, why, why are we even bother going to church? What's the big deal? And what we started the whole series out, a series that's really talking about what we do in the church with the reality is that you're just not as good without the gathering. You might be amazing, you might be fantastic, but you aren't as good without the gathering. It's something that Jesus designed for you to experience as a follower of him. And today we're actually going from the idea of just why bother even showing up to with the idea of why bother getting baptized. Like if you've been a part of Mission Bible Church, you've seen people get baptized. You might have been inspired by people getting baptized. I don't know how you could not, uh, just watching it's just phenomenal. But Outside of the fact that you're inspired, you might think it's a wonderful thing. It might still seem like, yeah, but isn't this kind of like the extra credit of Christianity? Like, isn't this like the part when you were doing assignments in junior high or high school where you got to the end and said bonus questions, but your teacher didn't assign it unless you were a you know, super huge brown noser or you were trying to position yourself well for some like scholarship for some college? That would be the only reason you would do the extra part of the credit because it's not required. And if it's not required, super easy to opt out because why put in the effort? And a lot of us have looked at baptism that way. This is, must be for the extra credit Christians. This thing is good. It's nothing bad. You don't have anything against baptism per se, but as far as like the importance for you, I don't know. That's a little bit awkward. Like, isn't it? I mean, we don't really need to be baptized to be saved, so why do it at all? It's a very, very good question. Now, full disclosure, more than the fact that I'm a pastor, more than the fact that I'm teaching on it from God's word, I am a massive fan of baptism. Baptism weekends at our church are my favorite weekends of the entire year. Because of the fact that what is communicated in baptism and watching the life change in a person's life through baptism, that's, that's got to be the best. And so for me, watching people go through the life of everything from, from being far from God to getting saved to that moment where they're publicly proclaiming what Jesus did for them and that it was personal to them, it's amazing. So just full disclosure, going in, I am sold out on baptism. And if you haven't been baptized, I hope and I pray that this convinces you that this is not just an extra credit Christian thing to do. It's something that's significantly important. Baptism is one of those funky areas that fuses two concepts together. The idea of got to and want to. Now, the idea of got to, this is something that's easily understood in legal terms. Like, you don't want to wear a seatbelt, but you got to. You don't want to pay taxes, but you got to. You don't want to wear a face mask in the shower, but you know, life is full of these got to's. We got to do it. Even if we don't want to do it, we got to do it. And, and those things are frustrating with us because we're like, man, I just, but I got, if I got to do it, I got to do it because it falls into the category of got to. But want to is better understood in relational terms. Like, I, I really, I want to be with this person. I want to spend time with them. I don't got to, but I want to. Because imagine if you had a relationship where it was primarily this category and not any of that category. That would be something like if your friend communicated to you, man, it was so cool. It, it made my day when you sent me that text that was just so encouraging. Thank you so much. And you responded from this category. Well, I mean, I guess that's what friends are supposed to do. And so I figured I got to do it because... You're my friend, and so that's why I sent you the text. How lame would that be? If you were going on a date with your wife or your fiancé, and you're like, well, you know, I guess this is what, what you got to do. I'm engaged, so I got to go and spend time with this person. Got to makes sense legally from the angle of, of authority or, or someone's in charge. 
It does not make sense relationally. That's where the want-to category fits in. And we see baptism really fusing these two together. The primary text that we're looking at takes place right after Jesus has died on the cross. So he's died on the cross for the sins of the world, and he's risen again. He's showcasing the fact that he's not just a mythical figure. He's not just a good teacher. He's someone who, in fact, is who he claimed to be. He's God. And so he's talking with his disciples before returning to the Father, and he's telling them they have a mission. Their mission is to do this, and it's super familiar. If you've got your Bibles, you can certainly turn in them to this passage, but many of you have this memorized. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 is what we call the Great Commission, and in it he says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. By the way, I love that the Bible keeps that in there. It doesn't, for propaganda reasons, scrub out the fact that people were still like, how in the world does this all work? How in the world is he alive? How in the world, is he he God? Is he man? Is he bull? I don't know. So this whole idea, I love the fact that people are still working on what they believe. But in the midst of that, he tells them this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's pas ethnos, all people groups. Make disciples of everyone. This is not just a Jewish thing. This is going to everyone. I want people who want to follow me to be all kinds of people everywhere. And so the disciples realize that this is not an ethnocentric thing. It's a pas ethnos, all of the ethnic groups, all of the nations. And so then Jesus spells out exactly what he's supposed to do in making people disciples, a follower of Jesus. What does a disciple look like? What is a follower of Jesus really supposed to do? And you know what the amazing thing is? He doesn't talk about giving here. He doesn't talk about showing up to church here. He talks about this. This is the primary. He says, baptizing them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Baptism wasn't like a super spiritual or exclusively spiritual word. It was a word of just a transformative thing that took place when you dunk something. Whether it's clothing being dunked in dye or it's food that's being dunked in some type of like vinegar that's going to make it totally transform its flavor. Or a person who is repenting of their sins and, and they're being dunked to showcase the transformation that God has already taken place in their life baptizing them. That's what Jesus wanted them to do. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So in baptism, we've got a fusion. It's one part got to, and it's one part want to. And this is what we mean. The got to part of baptism comes from when Jesus is talking about authority. When he says, therefore, go into all the world and, and, and recognizing that you're doing this because he has authority, what you're saying is what the Greek term means. The Greek word for this describes the power and jurisdiction to call the shots. So Jesus is saying, I, as the resurrected Christ, I, as a part of the Godhead, the Trinity, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, have authority over you. I have got the power to call the shots. And so the primary reason that you're being baptized, if you choose to be baptized, is because, well, I've got to. I got to do it. Why? He is the authority over me, and I am making the choice to submit to him. Now, whenever a person chooses to submit to authority, that is humbling. And that might be the reason that you haven't been baptized yet because there's something where I don't want to be told what to do. The thing that's different between any other person or even any other authority in your life is that when we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about the ultimate authority, the person who has the power and jurisdiction to, in fact, call the shots. Uh, this is something where you're, you're recognizing, hey, 
I am surrendering to you. I'm absolutely owning the fact that you get to call the shots over my life. And if you're calling me to do this, game on. Let's do this. So it's a got to. But it's not just a got to. It's also a want to. It's the relational side as well. We see that when Jesus is talking about this, about making disciples. Again, Jesus called people to follow him and follow his lead. If you ask Jesus to forgive your sins, that was the first step of you being his disciple, his follower. His follower. But there were a ton of people who had the opportunity to walk away because they didn't want to follow Jesus. They didn't want to make him the authority over their life and give him the opportunity to call the shots. They wanted to let their life, their dreams, maybe even their fears or their shame continue to rule their life. And for Jesus, he wanted them to want to follow him. That's why he called them disciples. If you're someone who has yet to be uh, baptized, what you're missing out on is the opportunity to take a step into relational depth with God. When you're baptized, you submitting to his lead out of love, saying, I'm, I'm owning the fact that everything you did, you did. When that happens and you, that you did it for me, all of a sudden you're taking a step of, re- of depth in, relational, in your relationship with God. And that also factors into what is supposed to happen when you're baptized. When we baptize people, we say, you know, you might have seen people on stage and you, you see the pastor, whoever's baptizing the person say, saying something. And you wonder, like I've had tons of people say, I wish you were mic'd. I wish we knew what was being said. A lot of it is just like a personal thing between you and the person who's getting baptized. It's just encouraging. But the final thing that whoever baptizes someone else that's a Christian says is, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now the significance of this is this is Jesus talking here. Jesus, just days before, were, if, you were, if you paid attention to last week's message, you heard that Jesus prayed for the future gathering, the people who would call themselves the church under his name. And what he prayed to God the Father is, I want them to be one just like we are one. Just like we have a relationship that's tight, that's connected, I want them to be the same way. And so when Jesus is telling his disciples to make other disciples, calling other people to follow Jesus, that where he starts out with is saying, make sure that you baptize these disciples and make sure you're baptizing them in that relational connectivity that I have just already prayed for. That is an amazing thing that we get a chance to see. That's what baptism is. Baptism is a mixture of the got to, God's the authority, so I'm going to submit, and the one to. He's my Savior, and I love him, and I'm going to take that step. Well, but that leads us to, to two things that baptism helps us say. The first thing that baptism helps us say is, I was there. I was there. And we're going to get to where you are in just a second when Paul talks about what, where we were in Romans 6. But if you're someone who's ever been to like a major concert, like a major like tour, like the, the band that you love was touring, and, and you go to that concert, you might have been super tempted at that concert. And to be honest, you might have been super tempted to do a lot of things at that concert. But one of the things that you were probably tempted to do, and I've been tempted to do at every concert that I've gone to, is go over to the merch table and score yourself one of the tour shirts. Here's why. Even though they're charging you billions of times what that t-shirt is worth or or cost to print, you want that t-shirt because that t-shirt tells you you were there. It lets everyone else know you were there. If, I've done like over 90 weddings, and in every wedding ceremony, there's some type of an exchange of a souvenir to let everyone else know this couple was here at this point making this vow. And I got that right here on 6-13-1998. June 13th, 1998, I got this souvenir letting everyone know 
I was there. On that date, I was with Julie. We pledged our vows to one another. We were pronounced husband and wife. It was an amazing day, best wedding ever. And from that point on, this souvenir has let everyone else know, boom, I was there. Paul, in this passage, is talking about baptism. He's actually talking about sin. And he's like, you know, it's so easy to get wrapped up in our life of sin. But he's like, should a Christian be resembling that? He's talking to the Roman church here. Because they were like, well, hey, God saved me by grace so I can do whatever I want. And he brings them back to what their baptism was saying to say, no, that's not the case. Look what he says. He starts off by saying, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus— if you were baptized, you were baptized into Christ Jesus. He says, if you're baptized into Christ Jesus, you were baptized into his death. Okay, you may not have thought about that. When you were baptized, you may have said, I'm proclaiming what Jesus did when he went, well, I guess he did. He died on the cross. You are actually identifying saying, I was there. Listen to Paul continue. We were therefore buried with him. He's talking to a people group Thousands of miles away from Jerusalem, they weren't put in that tomb. But he's saying, if you were baptized into Christ, if you have already identified as a Christian, you were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. He finishes the whole thing off by saying, for if we have been united with him in death like his, if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Here's a weird thing. I have not experienced a death like Jesus's. I've never been executed by the state. I certainly have never been tortured on a cross. That's not my story. But when I became a Christian, I asked Christ to forgive my sins. And when I did that, I adhered myself to what Jesus did when he was on that cross, when he was being executed at the state, at, at the, by the state. When I was baptized, I was proclaiming something. When the pastor brought me under the water, I was saying, I was there. And when he brings me out of the water, I was being proclaimed that not just the death of Christ for me, but Jesus' ability, because he's God, to rise from the dead, that I'm also identified and standing in solidarity with and connected to, super glued to the resurrection of Jesus. That's what makes me a Christian. That's when I was baptized. That's what I was proclaiming to everyone else. I am a sinner who Jesus died for my sins, and I'm connecting myself to that. I was there. I, I was, I'm connecting myself to that point in history, and I'm connecting myself to the point of history where Jesus rose from the grave for me. Baptism helps us say that, that I was there. I know what you did, and I know why you did it. You died on the cross for my sins, and I know why you did it. You did it out of love. And in baptism, what, what we have the opportunity to do is to own that story because Jesus has made it ours to own. If you haven't been baptized yet, that is something that you haven't had an opportunity to communicate in that form with that clarity. But that's not the only thing that it helps you say. Not only does it help you say, I was there, it also helps you say, I'm with all y'all. That's the other thing that a wedding ring does. Because you're, you, you're probably not marrying someone who's totally disconnected from any family members. You're probably marrying into a family, and you now have something called in-laws. They kind of fall, because it's legal, it kind of falls in that got-to part. You got to spend time with them. You got to go to, to Thanksgiving or Christmas. And for some of us, that's amazing. It's a wonderful experience. You have a great in-law family. For some of us, it's crazy town. It's super difficult and contentious. But regardless of what it is, you're connected to them. 
when you get baptized, you're not doing this in isolation. You're not going into your own shower, turning on the nozzle and going, boom, I'm baptized. It's something that's done in community. And the purpose of the community side of it is to communicate not only a connection to what Jesus did in the past, I was there, but it's also a connection to the people that are your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a chance of saying, I'm with all y'all. When we have Acts 2 taking place, this is after Jesus is given the Great Commission to go out and do this. You want to know the first time they had an opportunity to actually flex that muscle? After the Holy Spirit is given to Jesus' first followers, these are people who've put their trust in the resurrected Christ, Peter goes out of that house and he starts to preach to a group of people who were total haters. They didn't believe in Jesus as, as Christ. They thought the disciples were a joke. And he preached to them. And all of a sudden they recognized their sin separated them from God but that Jesus was the solution. And so they repent of their sins. They're giving it to Jesus. They're also connecting themselves with his death and his resurrection. And it says that they not only believed, they were baptized. And when they were baptized, it says at the end of this verse, 42, that they were added to their number. In other words, they joined the group. In other words, they were connected to God through the, the sacrificial death of Jesus that they have already put their faith in, but baptism was a way of them connecting with the group of people around them. One of the, my favorite parts of baptism is the fact that they, we get a chance to do this publicly, that when we baptize someone, we're dunking them. That's a picture of full-on immersion. We don't just like spray them with water. We, we actually the word baptizo means to dunk, and so we're dunking them underwater. We're seeing that. We're showcasing the symbol and the fact that they've been transformed by Jesus already, and that they are connecting themselves to his story, saying, I was there, and they go on up. But they're also connecting themselves to the statement, I'm with all y'all, because as soon as they come out, this is Sean right here, and you can see water just dripping off of them. And when Sean got baptized, just like when everyone else gets baptized, because we bring them under the water and we bring them up, all the music and everything that's playing is all playing, and it's, it's loud, and it's all, they're, they're hearing us talk to them, and all of a sudden we dunk them under the water, and then everything goes muffled. And then we bring you up, because we are not going to murder you under the water. We bring you up, and as we bring you up, all of a sudden, you, your face, your cheeks, feel the coldness of the air around you, because you, you're just coming out of the water, and then your ears, and then your shoulders, and then you're out, but everything is still, still muffled, because the water's still in your ears. And as it's draining out of your ears, all of a sudden, everything goes, and all of a sudden it's super clear, it's super clear, and you hear the band, but the first thing that you notice you're hearing is the cheering. You're hearing cheering from your brothers and sisters in Christ, people who are connected to you through Jesus, people who just like you, they've connected to the death and resurrection of Jesus. They've just watched a picture of their story with God, this is not just an isolated relationship between you and God or not a religious ritual between you and God or something just to check off the box. You're doing it because you're identifying with the story. I was there and with the people. I'm with all y'all. Which leads us to the, our steps. What can we do? What are we supposed to do from here? Well, number one, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, up to this point, this might have been just academic, whether you're a Christian or not Christian, but these last two steps can only be taken by a Christian. And the first is, if you're a Christian, obediently take the step of being baptized. If you're a Christian, obediently, that's the got to. Why do I got to do this? Because my authority is not what rules me anymore. Jesus is my authority. And so if I got saved last week, or I got saved 10 years ago, or I got saved when I was a kid, and I'm in my 80s now, Jesus is my authority. And if I haven't been baptized yet, 
obediently take the step of being baptized. Why? Because Jesus commanded it. He's your authority. Take that step out of obedience. If you're, uh, the second step is this. If you're a Christian, lovingly take the step of being baptized. So you might not be compelled with the whole authority thing, but you do know that you love your Savior. Well, that's the want-to side of things. Recognize that your Savior stood in place for you and your sin, and now you can show your solidarity alongside your Savior to say, I am not ashamed. I am publicly declaring this to everyone else around me, and I'm going to lovingly take the step of being baptized. If, if you haven't take, been baptized and you haven't done it out of obedience, and you're wondering why, you know, there might be just in your, in your relationship with God, you have a, a lack of devotion. There's a lack of stick and you know that you became a Christian. Perhaps, perhaps, it's because of the fact that you never took the step, the very first step that Jesus ushered you into, saying that you should be not only a believer, but someone who's being baptized. And because you haven't taken that step of surrender out of obedience, perhaps that's the reason why your devotion is waning. If you're someone who's a Christian, but, but honestly, the relational component feels dry, sterile, and flat, perhaps it's because you haven't taken the loving step of being baptized and recognizing this is a, a relational move that you're making between you and Jesus. If you are a Christian and you've yet to be baptized, I want you to take out your phone right now. I want you to take out your phone or go to your computer right now and go on to our website and sign up for baptism. This November, November 1st and November 8th, we're having two weekends of baptisms. One weekend is going to be here on the Minooka campus of Mission Bible Church, and the secondary week is going to be on Morris campus. Now here's the cool thing. We're launching a church campus in Morris. We are one church with multiple locations, and the, one of the great things I love about our baptism services is that if you go to the final service, or you go to the first service, or you go to Saturday service, you can actually see all the other people who are, all their other testimonies, even if they're not being baptized in your service. Well, we're going to get together all the stories of the Morris campus and the Minooka campus, and we're going to edit those together so both campuses get a chance to hear and see people identifying with the work of God and the people of God. And you're going to get a chance to be a part of that. But if, you've if you're a Christian and you haven't been baptized yet, go to missionbible.church. Make sure you sign up for that and make sure you step into this great part of the adventure that perhaps it's been long overdue and this is the year that you're going to get a chance to do it. Man, 2020 is a year, and I've said this at every wedding I've done this year, and every wedding I've done has been different than the person who is getting married imagined. But I've said to them that every step we take this year is going to be more memorable because the year is just bananas. It's so out of the norm. Everything we do this year is going to be a little bit more permanent in our memory banks. In a year where we see chaos and pandemic the world turning upside down. How cool would it be to say that in the midst of that, that's when you took your step of following Jesus and being baptized. Go to missionbible.church today and sign up, and we'll be in contact with you very soon. But if you're not a Christian, what I'd like to do is I'd like to close us here in prayer and give you an opportunity to become a Christian today, to actually sh show the fact that you understand that you need, you need a Savior, that he's made the effective price for you on the cross by dying on the cross and rising from the grave for you. That your trust in him is better than your work, anything that you could do to possibly work it off because you can't. Full-on trust leads to the beginning of the adventure of following his lead and bringing his healing into the world around you. I want to give you a chance to make that decision right now. So if everyone watching right now, if you could just bow your heads, let's go ahead and pray. Lord God, 
as we're talking about baptism, we, we see that this is something that believers have been called and commanded to do. A way of showing that we were, are connected to you and what you've done for us. And God, for those of us that are Christians, we, we have just such great gratitude for that. But Lord, I pray for those who are re- listening right now that are not. They would not say that they've crossed that line. They would not identify, self-identify as a Christian. For whatever reason, God, they've, they've held out. Maybe it's been doubts, maybe it's been questions. But Lord, I pray that you give them enough insight, information, and drive to surrender their lives to you right now by simply telling you that they're sorry, that they're sorry for the ways that they've run away from your leadership, rebelled against your call on them, that they know that what you did on the cross is sufficient to forgive every single sin that they've ever committed, and that you alone can give them a first-hand, fresh start into being someone who walks as a forgiven person who's following your lead. God, I pray that this doesn't stop with a prayer, but it leads to a, a moment and a movement of decisions where they get a chance to experience your leadership from this day until their last day on earth where they, get, they then take their next breath seeing you face to face. Lord, I can't wait for that moment. Lord, I pray that this is something that they get a chance to walk into as far as a decision leading up to that point right now. Lord, we give you thanks for all these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to hand it on over to Pastor Brent to close us out today.